Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 17th of August 2020, and I spoke to Robin Mullerman about his photography and his love for travel. One of the topics we discussed was the over-tourism, especially in the Faroe Islands, and how we can go about tackling this. All of this and much more. So we've got Robin Mullerman here. Uh, thank you for joining me. How are you today? I'm very fine. How are you? I'm doing very good. Uh, it's always good to talk to other travellers around the world, and especially during this period of time where it's been bizarre, I have to say. So how's uh, you're from Belgium, so how's Belgium been? Well, um, to be honest, Belgium suffered a lot initial, initially um, due to COVID-19 uh, because we had a lot of um, people who got um, sick by it and infections. And so we were in a kind of um, yeah, semi-lockdown. Uh, in June, the, the, the bars and the restaurants were open again. Uh, then you were able to travel abroad again, which was very good news. But now we are July and okay, now we see that the figures in Belgium are rising again, like right. 250 cases a day in Belgium, which is quite a lot for such a small country uh, with 11 million people. So now uh, what they did um, a few days ago, I think, um, you had to wear uh, masks in public places, but now they are also telling us, okay, you need to wear it in bars and restaurants until you sit down at your table and in all public places. So the, the main thing I think that they want to avoid is a second like kind of a semi-lockdown because economically that would completely destroy Belgium. Now we are able to see 15 people a week. Yeah. Where did the, the love for, for travel begin with you? When I was a child, I, I always loved to, to travel. I did with my parents then. Uh, but we always went to sunny destinations in the south. And that didn't attract me too much. I was always more interested in, in the mountains and snow and stuff and skiing. So what we did every year was like going three weeks a year to Spain or France in the south. But I preferred to go one week of skiing. So then I was already thinking, okay, is this normal? Um, but I really got hooked into travel um, when I first went to Iceland with one of my best friends for uh, two weeks. So what we did was um, travel the entire island all around, taking the ring roads, going to the West Fjords, uh, going a bit off paths to less known places. It's also then a few weeks before I went there, I bought my camera and my lens and, and my tripod and so forth because I knew, okay, we were going in November. I was perhaps going to see the Northern Lights. And I always told since I was young that I, I have three uh, destinations I really want to see in my life, which are Iceland, obviously, Nepal and New Zealand. So how, how did photography come about within your 
traveling? Well, it started when I was very young because um, my father um, was like semi-professional photographer. He did some work for 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 friends and for people uh, to take photographs of them, for example, at weddings or just photographing landscapes for people, and then um, making portraits and kind of stuff. And yeah, since I was um, very young, I, I I I really love to take photographs. You know. The type of photography you take, what, what do you look for? Is it more for landscape? Is it more for portraits? I would say certainly landscapes because they impress me most. Such a, a huge impression uh, because they sometimes they say one, one picture says more than a thousand words and with landscapes that's so diff- that's the case, you know. Uh, the, the landscapes itself, I mean, I tend to take a lot of landscapes myself. I always People always ask me, why don't you take pictures with yourself in them? And I always say, why would you want a picture of me in it when you can see the beautiful surroundings? You see, that's the way I, I see it anyway. I'm sure you see, the, see it exactly the same way as well. Of course, uh, I think it's more impressive when no people are onto the picture because you get you have the full, clear view then of what you want to photograph and i think that's so amazing the only the only thing when i i i want someone is like one person in the picture is to get it into perspective like how huge and how how impressive it is the landscape or a waterfall or and then it's nice to have that perspective but other otherwise no i prefer to have no people and to be honest i don't like myself on pictures at all <laughs> that's uh, probably the same with me as well your favorite photograph um and you talked about the the iceland photograph uh of the northern lights was that one of your most valued picture that you've taken up to date yeah definitely um because yeah the, the the settings were so ideal we were like already more than a week in iceland and we hadn't seen the northern lights yet if we were able to see uh, northern lights because you have like a, a weather site an icelandic weather re- website which predicts the auroras and um, so the northern lights yeah i remember that because I, I when i was there we had to check it you know to make sure i think you had to have it like a certain number so i think four or five meant very likely anything below that was very unlikely so and i i met a friend out there and throughout the week she wasn't able to to get those numbers i go there bang the next day you know <laughs> the numbers are high enough for us to go see it but uh, i just remember do you remember when you went to see 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 the lights you don't notice it until like you look at it and go, oh, look at that. You can see it sort of come mm-hmm. and the colors are changing and stuff. Yeah. And then it shows more on camera and you've got to have a very good camera to see it. Uh, smartphones just don't pick it up. Uh, but you really do have to have a, 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 a very decent camera from what I, what I noticed anyway. Uh, yeah, it's true. Okay, there are apps now for um, for phones and stuff, and you can do it with a normal lens. But if you want to take good shot with uh, to have the northern lights, you have to you need to have a wide angle lens and a tripod, of course, because if you are, it's not stable, then you won't have a good shot of the northern lights. It was it was really cold that night. It was like almost minus twenty, I think, Celsius. Oh, that's and cold. Yeah, we were sleeping in a tent and 
yeah, we were a bit like, oh damn, we haven't seen them yet. And come on, and also the the figure you you said, um, you need four or five most of the time to actually see it, and we had zero or one. So yeah, we were thinking, okay, yeah, it's not going to happen again. And then I was like trying to take some pictures randomly with my tripod and my wide angle lens, just hoping that I would get a green flash or something. And yeah, a few minutes later. At a certain point, indeed, the green flash appeared. And then uh, yeah, five or ten minutes later, we, the skies were all green. And uh, it was so amazing to see them the first time. And then a few minutes afterwards, we had it like right above us. So we, we had, a, it's called Corona, which is very applicable now. <laughs> <in this day. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we, for a few minutes, we had all the colors. We had yellow, purple, red, green, and it was literally right above us it's it was so amazing it was minus 20 and we, we, we started shouting like girls I, I threw my gloves away uh yeah it was uh, that, that's still to date my my favorite pick because it brings so bad so many memories back what other trip would you say that's been um been meaningful in your life that you think to yourself i want to do more of this uh, definitely my first real uh, solo trip uh, I did was to uh, the Faroe Islands. Um, so I went uh, at the end of December during Christmas. I felt like the only tourist there at, at that moment because normally uh, the Faroe Islands, okay, they get like 150,000, 200,000 tourists a year, but mostly in summer. Uh, but the issue was, because I was there during Christmas, that literally all the bars and restaurants and all the shops were really closed. So nothing was open, nothing at all. And I had like one sandwich left uh, and the, the shops remained closed for two days. So I started started asking people, okay, that I met on, on, a, on a hike. Um, do you have any food? So I, I got some chocolates uh, from French guys. Um, but that wasn't enough. Did you just say that you literally just asked people for some food? Uh, yeah, because uh, I was wild camping, so I had no place to go. Um, so when I went, when I came back from the hike, I just started knocking yeah, on, on a random door. So the guys opened up, and then I, I sat there like for three or four hours, ate like three or four meals. Um, and it was like one really happy family, and uh, yeah. Then I, the the father of the of the they had two little children, I think, and the father was like a farmer. So like in the Faroe Islands, it's it's always um, they still do whale hunting, for example, and it's always very very delicate to talk about it. Um, and yeah, okay. Uh, from their point of view, I understand exactly why they do it. Uh, then I was able to go to like an, a kind of a shelter, uh, a hut, you know, uh, and there there were some dried sheep uh, which were hanging there like a few months. So I got a piece and it was maybe one of the strangest tastes I ever had. And afterwards, uh, like a family member of uh, the people living in that house is a journalist and onto the Faroe Islands. So I was interviewed then, and, uh, and ultimately I got in, in a newspaper, on the front paper, and uh, there was just like reading there, I have a very embarrassing question. Because when I knocked on the door, 
I, I, the first thing I said was, okay, I have a very embarrassing question because I was literally asking for food here. So yeah, it was, it was a really a nice experience there. Um, when I was at that house uh, afterwards, I, I also knew from those people that it was the most, most northerly inhabited house onto the Faroe Islands. And that's probably a reason as well why I got into the newspaper afterwards. It could have easily gone back to your country, Belgium, you know, said, you know what, I, I can't do, deal with this, go back, there's food in my country, no problem whatsoever. But as you just said there, you go to a country at a time when things are closed, you're not going to know. And, you know, you've taught me something, going to Faroe Islands around about that time of the year, don't bother because you'll be knocking on people's doors. So, And it's really nice for the family as well to, if they're, hopefully they're listening, you know, to have let you in and, you know, welcomed you in and said, you know, here's some food. What did you really take from that experience? Me, um, it's not frightening at all because I, I really like to be in contact with people. And that's also why I'm able to travel alone, I think, and especially to like really isolated places because the Faroe Islands is like really isolated um, because you have islands with almost no people on it. I've also had it in, in, in Nepal, for example, uh, where the culture is very diff different fr from Europe because you have Hinduism, Buddhism, and yeah, they are, they have other religions, but those people are so friendly and it's just so nice to hear all, the, all those stories around the world, how the people live um, and, and just listen to, the, to them, what they, what they have been to and how's life there, because that's, that's the most curious thing I, I think there is, just knowing how they live their lives. The reason why I like going to remote places is going to these places and seeing how they live compared to how you live within your own own country and it's it's getting an understanding as you just said they're getting an understanding of how life is so different for them compared to you and i think I, you learn more from that um than anything else can smaller nations maybe have too many tourists within a year Today, it's like very easy to travel uh, also to, to less known places. So at this stage, it's okay. But um, so I told you, I went to the, to the Faroe Islands and their population is about 50,000 people. Uh, and they have like now 150,000, 200,000 tourists a year. But they were planning to have direct flights from the USA towards the Faroe Islands. And it was also a question I got from, uh, from the Faroese journalist that that's asked me those questions. Um, that, that the Faroese people are, are afraid to have with those direct flights, that they will have half a million or more tourists a year. But for an... Um, for the islands where there are only 50,000 people living, that's, that's really a lot. And I, I think, yeah, that, that they may, may suffer from that, that there will be simply too much tourists comparing to their population. And I think the same thing uh, is happening or will happen to Iceland because Iceland is also only with 300,000 people, but receive, uh, I think, 2 million tourists a year. So that's really a lot. And as those places really rely on their beautiful nature, that can really, I, I think they might suffer in the future. Uh, and also, I, I think if you, you have 
if you have like too too many people in nature, nature nature will simply suffer from it. Um, it's maybe a stupid example, but uh, one time Justin Bieber um, did a video in in a famous canyon over there in Iceland, and then they literally had to close it because a lot of people were were standing on on the crosses, which is um, you are not able to. It's prohibited. Uh, so that's also an example, in my opinion, of the rule of social media these days. And that's not always a good, a good thing, in my opinion. It's good that, that we can travel more easily. Um, but I think for small nations, small touristic nations with lots of tourists, that could give issues these days. I had no idea that you could have too many tourists. And that's an example there that... Has just opened my eyes that you fifty thousand people in a country and there's two hundred thousand people. You, yeah, literally, you can't manage that that amount of people. I guess the numbers that you you get going has to be sort of controlled in some respect, so it actually helps uh, the the community. And then if you've got way too many, from what it sounds like can be very harmful and as you just mentioned about the the video that justin bieber did people will follow what's cool so if justin bieber's done this let's go over there and that can be very harmful as well so social media does play a big part on this could you pinpoint a favorite place i know you said iceland is really your place is is that your favorite place it's difficult to pick uh, one place um it's very difficult because like I really like Lofoten as well a lot, uh, which is in the north of Norway. Um, the Faroe Islands, Nepal. Uh, I, I also like Switzerland really a lot to go skiing, France as well. Uh, oh, it's so, very difficult. So so is, is skiing then something that you, because all these places that you mentioned, very wintry, is skiing something that you love doing? Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Uh, well, I have my own skis. I bought them a few years ago. So what I try to do is uh, is go skiing as uh, at least two or three weeks a year. So last year in December, I also um, uh, went solo uh, on uh, on on onto France to to Switzerland to Liechtenstein to Austria to Italy. Uh, so I did like almost all the Alps, uh, Alps countries, and then I, I met some uh, friends from Belgium in France. I met some Swiss guys. I met on a solo trip before, so it was really nice to have some friends on the way and just going from point to point. And then at, at a few days alone, and a few days again with friends. Um, so actually, what I did was like I went skiing two and a half weeks. And I also went to um, Matterhorn. It's like uh, a ski Valhalla for uh, for skiers. Uh, it's like you you are really close to the Matterhorn, and the, the sightseeing there are amazing because you have like lots and lots of mountains, which are four thousanders we call them, that are four thousand meters or higher, and it's so impressive to see it while you are skiing, especially when you are backcountry skiing. So that's that's really amazing. I've actually never done skiing before. It's been on my list of things to do. 
So uh, just from your story there, I, I do need to start um, somewhere. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll get some tips off you at a later date. When we can travel again properly, where would you like to sort of first go? I'd like to travel somewhere in Europe um, because I don't think it will be possible to travel outside Europe in September. If uh, the figures are staying like this or increasing, um, so I've not yet picked a destination. Uh, I was going, I was thinking about going to Iceland again to the West Fjords, but also I've been thinking about Croatia, Slovenia, uh, Sweden, Finland. Um, yeah, probably I will will be going up north again because I love it very much. Um, Maybe Slovenia because of the Trichlav Mountains, uh, which is obviously for hiking um, a lot, which I which I really love. And um, then I, I in December uh, I would like to go to New Zealand, uh, which is also one of my destinations I really have to do. I, I will do it one one day. So I really have it in mind to do it in December because it's summer there then and I and it's an ideal moment to go there for three and a half, four weeks for me and just exploring mostly the southern islands. But unfortunately, I've been checking out uh, the regulations regarding COVID-19 corona uh, in New Zealand and they are very strict. Um, for example, if an, uh, I think it's, it's when even if you are a New Zealander, and you travel back from Australia to New Zealand, then you have to go into quarantine. So yeah. at this stage, they are very, very strict. So I'm waiting now and hoping for some good news uh, and I can travel in December and make really, in my opinion, um, yeah, a very huge journey because as I told you, I've, done, I've already done Iceland and, and Nepal and New Zealand has always been in the top three for me. So With all the traveling, have you picked up any other languages apart from, because you can speak, is it French or is it, which part of Belgium are you from where you can, is it French or is it, is it Flemish you guys speak? So, um, where I live, we speak uh, Flemish, which is like kind of Dutch. It's always very difficult to explain to uh, non-Belgians. Um, I also speak uh, French, uh, English, and then a little bit of German and Spanish. And I also started learning Icelandic, but uh, it was so difficult. <laughs> so I, I know a few words, but it's, it's, learning Icelandic is like really, really difficult. You've got a few languages there anyway, so it's always good to, I always think it's always good to have a body language, especially the Spanish you learn, French, international languages, you know, German, English. In fact, you, you can practically go anywhere um, in the world and be able to sort of communicate with anyone. So that's, those are good. I think we've come to the end of our chat. Uh, it's been really fascinating to listen to your story, especially when you're in the Faroe Islands and technically not knowing what, where your next meal was. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, just before I let you go, where can people find you? What's your social media handle, names, and everything? You can find me on uh, on Instagram. Uh, that's where I mainly post my pictures and captures uh, from all my travelings. Um, so it's just like Robin uh, underscore Möllemann, um, which is like a typical Flemish name. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I struggled to pronounce your name on the intro. <laughs> 
And you can also uh, find me on Facebook under the same name. So if you want to add me uh, or want to see my, my, my pictures and stories, just go ahead and um, yeah, just give me a thumbs up. Brilliant. Well, I'm hoping uh, we, we meet very soon and uh, I look forward to your journey as well. And uh, thank you for coming on and uh, take care of yourself. Thanks a lot to you too as well. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.